July 9th, Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 20. When the time came, we, Luke, Paul, and his companions, set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of an army officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment, and Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a boat whose home port was Adramatium. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province of Asia. The next day, when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. We passed along the coast of the provinces of Cilicia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There the officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. We had several days of rough sailing, and after great difficulty we finally neared Sinaitis, but the wind was against us, so we sailed down to the leeward side of Crete, past the Cape of Salmone. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty, and finally arrived at Fair Havens, near the city of Lasia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for long voyages by then because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Sirs, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on, shipwreck, loss of cargo, injuries, and danger to our lives. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul, and since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed along close to shore. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength, a northeaster, they called it, caught the ship and blew it out to sea. They couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed behind a small island named Cauda, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat that was being towed behind us. Then we banded the ship with ropes to strengthen the hull. The sailors were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis, off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor and were thus driven before the wind. The next day, as gale-force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even threw out the ship's equipment and anything else they could lay their hands on. The terrible storm raged unabated for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. Jesus' baptism is hugely important to you. That's the subject of today's Higher Things video short. It seems so detached from everyday life, but yet we celebrate it the Sunday after the Lord's Epiphany, usually the first Sunday of the year or second. Jesus' baptism is huge. It, that sounds like Trump. Huge! Anyway, he, he is baptized a baptism for sinners, for you and me, to save you and me. 
from what will damn us, our sins. Everybody from the Jordan, from the, from the area of the Jordan, from the region around Jerusalem, is coming to John to be baptized. They're confessing their sins and receiving forgiveness in the water. Jesus comes with no sins. He has no reason to be baptized by John. And John points that out to me. I, Tim, I need to be baptized by you, not the other way around. Jesus, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs if you think I'm going to baptize you. But what Jesus says is huge. Huge! Permit it to be so in order to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus is baptized in your place for you in order to fulfill all righteousness. He is baptized and you're baptized in his baptism. Or better, uh, he hallows all the waters of holy baptism in his baptism. He makes all waters a cleansing flood, a washing away of sin. Your baptism works because Jesus was baptized for you. Because of the word behind that baptism and the command to be baptized. This is part of Jesus' fulfilling of all things for you. A lot of times we say, well, Jesus died for all my sins. Well, that's great, but that's only half of what saves me. What saves me is that Christ fulfilled the law for me. He did all that God commanded of me. And then he suffered and died for all the things I don't do. So we should be in that water. We should be in that water baptized, a baptism of repentance. And because Jesus is in that water, we're in that water. Because Jesus fulfills all righteousness, you and I are righteous before God. And other people, because of Jesus, are righteous before us too. See, we think that they got to get their stuff together in order for, for them to be righteous before God. But in actuality, His holy life and bitter sufferings and death make us all clean so that we stand before God on the last day and they stand before God on the last day and we hear the words that Jesus heard. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And that you're a son of God means you're, you're, you have everything. All that Jesus has is given to you in the font and in the water. And that means also that those in the faith of Jesus who have been baptized into Christ, there's no reason to hold anything against them either. From now on, there's forgiveness for you and there's forgiveness for them. There's forgiveness for all. That's why it's a big deal. It's huge. (laughs) Jesus' baptism for you happens. You hear about it every year. But it's to fulfill all righteousness. He has baptized a baptism for sinners to save you and me so that we stand before God forgiven. Psalm 7, verses 1 through 17, a psalm of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush of the tribe of Benjamin. I come to you for protection, O Lord my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. If you don't, they will maul me like a lion, tearing me to pieces, with no one to rescue me. O Lord my God, if I have done wrong, or am guilty of injustice, if I have betrayed a friend, or plundered my enemy without cause, then let my enemies capture me, let them trample me into the ground, let my honor be left in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in anger, 
Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Sit in your throne high above them. The Lord passes judgment on the nations. Declare me righteous, O Lord, for I am innocent, O Most High. End the wickedness of the ungodly, but help all those who obey you. For you look deep within the mind and heart, O righteous God. God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. God is a judge who is perfectly fair. He is angry with the wicked every day. If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and ignite his flaming arrows. The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. They dig a pit to trap others, and then fall into it themselves. They make trouble, but it backfires on them. They plan violence for others, but it falls on their own heads. I will thank the Lord, because He is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Proverbs 18, verse 22. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and receives favor from the Lord.